Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Fractal Sovereignty. Um, firstly, I'd like to uh, just say that we are working on getting some more regular podcasts out. We'll be getting some more out over the coming weeks. We'll be, uh, Belinda and myself will be attending the, uh, the Holochain Intensive on the Sunshine Coast. So I hope to get a bit of content up there as well. Um, and yeah, let's just get into it. So today I've got Colin Stewart from Producers Token. How's it going, mate? It's going very well. Very well. Thank you. Happy to be That's here. Good, mate. Um, so I got talking to Colin when I was wanting to learn more about how I could help support them and myself through the development of my farm. So I mentioned in previous podcasts that we're looking to get the bees going and flowers and mushrooms up on, up on my farm. And I just wanted to know more details about how I could be one of the, one of the leading um, producers on, on what they're doing, how I could start developing my farm in alignment with what they're doing, how I could get involved, what the financial model would likely look like and just how I could best prepare myself in general. Um, and since then, Colin and me and, uh, and also Belinda have had some magnificent chats actually. And Colin's someone who I feel like we can just talk about the grand vision of SEPTA and metacurrency and, and how it all works together. So yeah, it's great to have you on, mate. Um, so tell everyone like who you are and how you are here today with producers and with yourself and with, with Holochain. Yeah, so um, I am the Director of Agricultural Technology for Producers Market. And really simply, Producers Market is a, is a company and platform for connecting agricultural producers, um, people in, in the agricultural value chain, um, more directly and efficiently than what we have now. Um, at Producers, we really like to take a, a, a kind of like a historical view or, or contextualize our marketplace and history. Um, you know, we've, we've, the agricultural industry is, has long been dominated by um, a pattern that has subjected um, farmers, agriculturalists, um, cultures, peoples who, um, you know, root, root their, uh, their, a lot of, you know, identity and being into what they produce from the ground and really creating negative patterns that um, disempower them. So we, we really like to look at kind of the history of of business and how really the patterns of imperialism have created now um, in a global agricultural economy that um, doesn't respect really who produces our food first, producers. Um, so we're really working to, to shift the model from a buyer's market to a producer's market. So we look at, you know, how we can incorporate um, modern technological tools um, to really simply connect buyers and sellers and, and, and consumers being people uh, more directly to the, the value chain into their food. So that really looks like a, a marketplace called producersmarket.com that, um, you know, uses storytelling, um, modern distributed ledger technology tools, Holochain, uh, uh, digital marketing suite, suites of services um, to kind of aggregate these 
into a simple toolkit and very simple user experience and user interface so farmers can tell their stories. And for me, this pattern really fits into the to the the broader meme happening in um, maybe what we can call the peer-to-peer -peer internet or how Holochain speaks about it from a from a data-centric model where data is the oil or the oxygen of this this economy to a more agent-centric model that places the power of people um, in control over our data, over our financial transactions, over our food, over our journalism with hum, um, and really the the kind of the the more meat, the more juicy part of I think this this theme is you know we we again have had negative patterns of businesses that have externalized um, true value for sake of pure profit or for sake of external companies that that actually don't support the communities that are engaging with services or products and so that's a little bit about how we contextualize it and i think you know what we've connected about before is like really these are global themes um and and i think really what we're talking about is, is the peer-to-peer -peer movement so what are the the corporate structures what are the organizational structures that arise from kind of the dissolution or disincorporation of really 500 year old um, corporate models especially agriculture it's a great context you know the first publicly listed company was the dutch east india company uh, and they really kind of set the stage for how stocks are issued and shares are issued and they really built their whole model around control and conquest of natural resources reselling them for profit and the argument is really that that pattern has manifested in every single industry and really it's now i'd argue consolidated in the internet economy with the the, the big four right now um, you know they all kind of take our data and then sell it for free or excuse me sell it for a fee and so there's not there's no reciprocity built in and people are starting to i think a become more aware that this is a it's a problem, right? We're seeing these huge proliferation of, of, um, of you know, mega, mega powerful companies that also don't profit share very well. And B, there's also just a realization that the patterns that we can can hard code into our technical systems and our our community systems can kind of buck that trend. And uh, a phrase I really like is um, inverted firm. So we kind of, at producers, we see ourselves as inverted firms. I see hum is the same. And inverted firm is really just simply um, the idea of Uber, right? Uber's the largest taxi company in the world, but they don't own taxis. Or Airbnb is the largest hotel company in the world, but they don't own hotels. Um, you know, producers, we're, we're looking to invert that firm to really be, you know, producer-centric. And that um, really what I see in the future is how do we get these inverted firms who are operating more equitable peer-to-peer -peer systems to network, to deliver better services, to be realistic about how the systems right now are uh, eroding our economy um, and our ecology and how we create more human-led human systems, producer-led. Yeah, beautiful. There's quite a lot there. So let's see if we can unpack a little, little bit of that. Um, in regards to those patterns that you mentioned like the old patterns and then the new patterns that are being created 
What do you think is required from the people within this ecosystem? Like what shift in either their thinking or their behavior do you think is either necessary or maybe um, encouraged to begin to facilitate and to work, work in this environment? Great question. A lot of it for me comes down to design, how we engage with systems. Um, I take the, the example of, um, you know, Instagram. Instagram had an incredible design, super fun to use. Um, you know, it, it was easy to use. Um, it's it kind of comes down to twofold. It's a, it's an incentive structure, and it's also what the the convenience is of the of the platform. Um, by this ecosystem, do you mean specifically within Holo Chain or within producers or uh, just? Take it wherever you want, but I guess um, what from your experience in producers, but I guess I am talking more broadly with Holochain. Um, mm -hmm. But we can use your example of, um, of producers. Like, for example, if I'm a farmer and I want to get involved, what, what do I need to shift within me and the way that I go about my operations or the way that I think about the farming or agricultural business or the way that I sell my product or, or the way in which... I'm creating something for the, for the people that are, that are going to consume it. Yeah. So producers has found market fit because, um, you know, to, to sell or trade your, your agricultural products is something producers already do. It's just that the, the agricultural industry has been slow to move over to the interweb. So there's a lot of uh, paper moving a lot of old checks, a lot of net 30, net 60 terms. Um, mm -hmm. And for us, kind of what I was, was hearkening back to is the design has to be so easy that um, it's easy for people to engage with. So farmers or producers can just get on a smartphone app and say, hey, look, this is me, this is my story, this is what I grow, and I can just list it, what I have available. So then if I'm a buyer or a food eater person looking to buy food, I can easily pull up the producer's market app and look through the producers and be like, hey, look, I'm in Queensland or right, I'm, I'm in it wherever, and I can access that farmer. So for us, it's, you know, we might have some like very interesting uh, technology in the back end, but it actually doesn't really matter what's happening as long as it's usable and actually includes and, and um, enhances the farmer's life or the or the food buyers the consumer's life ease of use yeah. ease of use and also creating an ecosystem that allows people to engage um in patterns that are actually more effective and efficient i i like to think of it as there's really nothing stopping us i'm going to take a kind of north american centric view right now because that's where i am right now but um there's nothing stopping us from buying uh, you know, let's say nuts directly from a nut farmer. Like it's actually quite a better deal because it's wholesale, it's tax-free. You don't have taxes on on uh, foods, right? The only thing stopping us is the distribution and the patterns of processing and packing. But to actually make that physical link and that payment directly to the farmer um, is actually much better deal for both ends because the farmer isn't paying someone to to basically brand it for themselves. So it's really just just 
I like to, it's not really huge shifts. It's just making the value flows more visible in the system. So this is kind of how we get into the, the hollow chain philosophy of currency design, currency creation. It's really just making the value flows in a supply chain. We call them value chains or value systems um, more visible so we can uh, basically de deliver a more efficient, productive, and healthy uh, ecosystem of, of really food and, and land systems. Yeah. And so when those value chains are more visible and the, and the currency and the technology is designed in the way that you just mentioned, um, do you see any steps happening after that from the behaviors or the, or the, or the way in which people interact? Like for example, maybe I'm not, uh, I, I sh like shift from having a monoculture to having many crops or cycling through, or maybe there's a way to plan three or five years in advance because people are demanding something. And I know that through a mutual credit currency, people are going to be able to, you know, to pre-purchase or, or is, is, there this, is there this kind of like feedback loop built in, into the design where maybe later on, like sort of like big picture, some of these things start to shift from, from the way in which people interact with, with the technology itself? It's an interesting question and there's a couple different different tendrils there. One is that agriculture is, is completely a consumer driven market. So, you know, if everybody demanded that um, eggs were organic tomorrow in North America, like let's say the 300 million odd people in North America said, I need organic eggs, I'm not going to buy anything else. We'd rapidly see a transition to uh, organic eggs on supermarket. Um, with respect to, you know, making the value flow visible around how many consumers actually would want to eat organic eggs, there's really not a good system to um, make that those wants, demands, and asks visible. There's, it's you know, a lot of brands do a lot of a lot of putting money into tracking what consumers want or what generational differences exist, and there's really not a good methodology for doing that. Um, it's not very accurate, and again, it's it's you know, food is one of the few things that we can mostly directly control every day. Like we almost, we typically choose what we put in our mouths, right? Um, of course, we're, we have constraints of, you know, bioregional availability or, or what, what is in the market. Uh, with respect to your question around seeing how people self-organize or co-organize again, because it's a, a consumer driven market, which I think that, that, uh, even that phrase might be a little bit too rooted in business. It's really community driven and, and rooted in, you know, kind of biocultural knowledge or historical knowledge of how uh, seeds have moved across the world. It's going to be really interesting to see what, what does happen and what becomes incented for, from a producer's perspective as a platform, we try to just maintain, um, it's not necessarily agnosticism around what's on the platform, but it's a tool for producers to be completely transparent and authentic about what they're growing and why, and to connect to people to see what people want to buy or consume. So ultimately we'd like to create a platform that allows communities to lead with what they want. 
because you know my experience and largely mostly well growing up in north america i'm not going to pretend to know what someone on other continents really need for their communities or demand for their communities what i do think is that the tools we're creating um will help different communities businesses brands um help help them realize what is demanded so for instance it's three to four trillion dollars annually is spent on food and about half of that is done through contract so an agricultural financial contract means oh um i'd like to buy three acres or excuse me three years worth of avocados from this farmer so i'll go into a contractual agreement and say i'll pay you x amount of money for y amount of avocados over over z amount of amount of years let's say three um right now there's not really a standardized way for communities to self-organize those contracts there's not a good system to a create a, a marketplace a platform to say these are all the contracts across the world across the continent and b there's not a way to actually uh standardize and set those contracts so one of the the core will go a little bit in technical terms what we're quite excited about with Holochain is really a contract we can look at as, well, a, it's, you know, it's a social contract or social engagement, but be from a financial perspective with a peer to peer contract system and, and we're incorporating these REA protocols, resource events and agents. There's quite a bit of literature on this. I think there's a Holo happy hour about it. Um, simply REA was a, a system of accounting developed in the first paper was in 79 about how um, accounting will be changed in the computer age. So you can do some quite interesting things with REA. Um, for instance, like double entry bookkeeping, when you place a debit, the credit's automatically generated. Like simple, simple little things, double entry bookkeeping is over 500 years. Um, and on top of REA, there's a lot of work that I've done, uh, that has been done to create a, a framework for creating compositional contracts. So this means that, in an REA accounting model, which stands for resource events and agents, we can imagine going back to the avocado example, there's a resource, which is avocados. There are two agents, which are the buyer and the seller. And the event is one of the agents saying, I'd like to buy this avocado for X, Y, and Z terms. Um, so right now there's not a standardized accounting protocol for agricultural producers to network that. So that comes back to the design and, you know, if we provide core framework and tools, we'll see what communities lead with. We'll see what, what kind of patterns emerge from this, um, from this fractal sovereignty. There <laughs> we found it. Yeah. <laughs> and so with things like the, the REA accounting method and these patterns that then opens up, of course, things that get more into the interoperability, like with other currencies that are, that are utilizing these same patterns. Uh, yeah. Before. And um, so you just want to talk about how, so there's a piece there about the interoperability and, and, um, and how that ecosystem could emerge even from the communities like joining together. But then maybe there's even a, a further piece to, to do more with Scepter and the, and the, and the pluggable nature of the technology where maybe there's different environments around the world which 
um, might not have internet access and they and they use mesh networks or they set up their own system in which um, yeah I'm not sure where to go with that but maybe there's two pieces there about the interoperability with 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 the holochain patterns and then the bigger technological pluggable part with SEPTA yeah so you know, I, I think that it's it's a really good context to start with interoperability by looking at, at Holofield, right? So Holochain, of course, the, the first flagship app is Holo, right? This idea that we can back currency by computing power. Um, and it's really genius because I've been trying to think about what is more stable, what is more calculable than computing power. Right. We know the supply and demand for computing power because it's quite binary. Let's say you have 10,000 people on a network looking for X amount of computing power. Um, you, you know how many people are looking for what bandwidth or which bandwidths. With agriculture, it's quite different. Right? With agriculture, we, uh, we have different crops and commodities that are... Um, really dependent upon the climate um and if we look at like how our you know the, like the something like the futures market in agriculture was created it was essentially largely because we couldn't even come close to accounting for um the amount of wheat being produced in the world we couldn't and furthermore you know, farmers couldn't take their wheat to market themselves. We didn't have like shared distribution patterns. Um, so as far as the currency creation comes from the, uh, the patterns of producers market is that we like to think of this contract creation platform as the creation of currencies. By currencies means that the a currency would be a value flow of an avocado contract made visible. So instead of futures markets, we can start to have robust forward contracts. And because the pattern is just mutual credit, again, Holochain or Holofuel is like really a cryptographic accounting engine that uses mutual credit to share between agents. Um, and we have something so stable like uh, computing power to use as a base, right? Not static, but stable. There's a breathing supply. We think that the similar patterns will at least start to stabilize a little bit with these um, interoperable accounting and contract protocols. First started with food, but then you can really, you know, once you start saying, okay, if this is just a framework for resources, events, and agents, it could really be any resource, any agent, organization, company, person, um, co-op, and any event with that framework. So as, start, as soon as we start composing contracts based upon that framework or that grammar, you start to see how basic asset-backed currencies could interoperate because it's using the same frameworks, the same mutual credit systems to trade. Okay, now it's, now it's um, you know, holo fuel, with hosting, but then maybe we have, uh, uh, you know, an asset-backed currency that's backed by food. And so something that, that just one organics is working on, which is a, a good partner of, uh, 
of the Commons Engine Holochain the ecosystem in general is they've developed a, a gentle freeze drying um, uh, method to, to like really gently dry fruits and vegetables. And they're coming out um, and working on a, a currency that's backed by foods. So if we extend this pattern of, um, and kind of, I really like Scepter, right? Scepter stands for receptor, receptivity, more receptive patterns that actually um, kind of work around signals. So there's a lot of different signals in agriculture. Um, you know, we can get into like whatever soil anecdotes, but the signals of holofuel saying hosting, there's X, X amount of hosting, Y people looking for it. Signals of, oh, there's X amount of avocados being grown, Y amount of people looking for it. Using the same patterns of accounting, you can start to see, or one could imagine how these different asset-backed currencies could interoperate because these are all uh, real commodities by the real world. So you could extend that to be like, okay, well, now we have an energy grid that's backed by real supply and demand. And then we have a housing grid that's backed by real supply and demand. So if we go back to this, this vision of inverted firms, the, the real 30,000-foot interoperable view is that all of these peer-to-peer -peer systems are really just communities, and communities of people who need hosting credits, communities of people who grow food, could be communities of people who want to find a house, say Airbnb, communities of people who need a taxi. But right now, all of those systems are incorporated in um, corporate structures and structures that don't actually lend themselves towards radical collaboration. And if we can get these different services to cooperate and collaborate, we're actually going to be designing a suite of services that outperforms the traditional contemporary market offerings. So like if you had a, an app that had Airbnb and Uber connected, so like, oh yeah, I need to take an Uber to go to my Airbnb, right? If you had a community-led or, or an interoperable ledger that allowed people to share within that uh, ecosystem, you would very start to, you'd, you'd soon start to see um, better services because they're just going to be uh, more efficient and more affordable and actually more fair. Uh, and that's I guess that's you know we can really fractal out from that, but that's kind of what I see the future moving forward is new patterns of organization around interoperability of these more peer-to-peer -peer, uh, humane systems. Yeah, the um, reputation systems come to there as mind, which uh, mm -hmm. pattern that's like the interoperable and trust can move between different ecosystems and communities and stuff. Um, maybe um, one thing that I'd like to maybe to bring into the conversation um, is the, the new grammatic capacities. And we're using a whole lot of different terms and the linguistics of what we're talking about might be a little foreign to some people, but it's, you know, I know this is something that we're um, trying to talk about more um, with the use of terms like unenclosable carriers. Um, and how important that is what we're doing and the holo chain in general. Um, maybe we could 
do you want to talk to do you want to just talk a little bit about why you feel chromatic capacity is important into 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 the way in which we understand some of these concepts yeah yeah i do i think it's arguably the most important uh unifier of all these projects so even the first time i saw holy chain this is i don't know two years ago now i had a i had a pretty like hard time uh it took me a while to like really appreciate its magnificence mag, mag, <laughs> it's 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 like i don't know the language that um is used like unenclosable carriers or agent centric um they're different and for me it's it's i'm always pushing the bar to see how we can make this as inclusive as possible and this is where i run into some like pretty much daily struggle with the constraints of english itself and you know we can we can talk about english as the language of business and english has built these corporations or germanic languages have uh, kind of derived into um how we communicate these thoughts for me i always feel like i'm just like saying so many words to really communicate very core um uh sentiments like oh be a good person like these are systems to be more kind to be more receptive to be more empathetic to be more open and ultimately from a business perspective too these are just more safe and secure and, and quicker interactions peer-to-peer -peer is quicker when when you don't have a middleman company centralized service service or server extracting value so for me it's it's finding the words that um, can cut to the core very quickly and it really is a new grammar to surround um, coordination around i really like just explaining holochain as not only a framework for building truly peer-to-peer -peer web apps but actually a new way for human beings to coordinate i think that's that's the best explanation but then that begets the question it's like okay well what the heck does that mean like what do you mean don't we coordinate fine already and then so it kind of snowballs into this really uh or it could snowball into this really complex discussion about okay well what what is this miscoordination or miscommunication happening why do the language patterns the languages businesses why have they created ecological or economic conditions that people can't thrive within so for me the the grammatical capacities come back to design so i i try to push the envelope every day about okay so how do we communicate these things and then how does the design of these patterns become incorporated in um interfaces and really interfaces these days are um mostly digital so in producers market how do we communicate that this is a much better way for producers because you know they can communicate their stories and they're honestly just going to get rewarded more for their work or um you know in a in a in an app like instagram how do we design and viralize these ideas in a way that you don't even really necessarily need words it's just how it works or that people get valued for their time um and so something a, a really good tool that i've been using there's amazing work it's totally standing on the shoulders of giants um is there's a there's a grammar based upon rea resource of instant agents counting called the value flows maybe we can include this in the link 
at the end of the video. It's www.valueflow.ws. Um, and it's really a grammar built upon RDA accounting to help distributed economic networks of the future coordinate. And even that is a mouthful, right? <laughs> so the, the grammar for me is, is really looking at what are the, the intergenerational memes? What are the biocultural words? What other languages, maybe first languages, indigenous languages, have um, the knowledge that is really lost when we carry the language of business around everywhere? Um, and for me, I'm really kind of tuned into this idea of sound of place. So what's the, what are the patterns of, of grammar or ontologies of grammar that allow us to experience or express um, a sense of place? And that could be online, that could be virtual, it could be digital. But right now, I think what we're running up against in, our, in a business context, in a, in a world economic context, is we're using a language that built a system that doesn't equitably serve people to try to deconstruct that language. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the one of the ways in which I came to Holochain itself was through um, the exploration of different indigenous and shamanic cultures and and their use of natural law, L-O-R-E, or universal law language. And something that we're seeing as we start to begin to create these new patterns is that is, is holding, holding that vision while at the same time walking in the 3D world and how these, how these systems and patterns are beginning to evolve and to be created while not being there yet. So mm -hmm. it's... Um, it's, it's good to, it feels really good to be able to open up the conversation about the grammatic capacities and, and as we ourselves learn it more deeply, then we can share that more widely. Um, Belinda, I know that you um, quite love this topic and your use of the uh, English uh, capacity is... Uh, <laughs> has been explored deeply but you have your own uh troubles with that as well did you want to talk a little bit about what you've found from i know that early on you wrote um like a little bit of a guidebook with hollow chain and, and how it all comes together and, and the language and stuff and then you, you also wrote the website copy for hum do you is there some common threads that you've seen from you know the business world and then the new patterns and and actually putting it singing that up into the into the world yeah so what i'm what i'm particularly interested in at the moment is the role of so, so we have these we have these new patterns and these new ideas and these new ways of being in the world and with each other that mm -hmm. you know that that we want to bring into existence and make real and i'm interested in the role of story 
in helping to to in helping people to come to terms with these new ideas, concepts, patterns, ways of being. You, Colin, you mentioned story in the context of producers market. Could you maybe give us a sense of how you guys are thinking of the role of story in the, in the ecosystem that you're building? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so we have a, an in-house digital marketing team that helps producers tell their story. So again, it's, it's, it's for us not being prescriptive about the stories that we might hold or, or that we've been brought up with or that we're exploring maybe ourselves, but creating a platform for producers to self-describe their own stories. Um, and I think the, maybe a, a more overarching story is <laughs> why do we need to, to do that right now? <laughs> what, are, what have been the market conditions that have created the, the, the climate that we have to make space for producers to self-tell? Um, and so, you know, we, we own right now, we use a bunch of different Instagram handles to kind of circulate that knowledge. And then also, you know, some in-house photographers to travel to different producers' farms or cooperative communities. Um, you know, who are marketing their goods or you know, even even larger scale, um, you know, like coconut producers who, you know, are doing good and might not have a method for sharing that. So it's it's really about, again, kind of being a, a, a platform to tell those stories and to provide the tools that people might not have had to tell them before, might not have had the, the digital marketing um, uh, firepower for lack of a better word that large brands or conglomerates might have so to kind of put them on an equal footing and maybe some of these large brands are starting to do really good work and so how do we you know make that visible and authentic if it's actually really good work how do we you know celebrate that yeah okay seems to me that it's so i certainly notice in myself a tendency to kind of I can I can easily overcomplicate the mm -hmm. the idea of storytelling, like and and kind of I can I can think about it as something that needs to that needs to be kind of formalized and systematized and you know that we need a framework mm -hmm. for and um, it sounds like what you're saying is that storytelling can be as simple as a series of pictures, a few words, and a platform to distribute the pictures and the words or not to, mm -hmm. to people who are interested in it. Mm -hmm. Is that, have yeah. I got that right? Or, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts about that like what's the infrastructure that we need in order to be able to tell really good stories yeah well, well one thing so i think two things one is that some of the best stories are not written down kind of the same thing that we were talking about is that you know the even how we're taught about oral tradition and you know, at least my experience and in, in my 
schools in North America, well, not all of them, um, not with some teachers, but generally I think at least how I've seen it written in most history books is that oral tradition was like a, an obtuse, uh, uh, like an arcane old antiquated way of telling stories that was like far less superior than <laughs> writing it down. Right. <laughs> right? Is that, was, would you agree with that? Is how you read it in history? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All traditions and, are primitive, right? Right, exactly. Um, and so I think some of the best things aren't written down and can't be written down. And that's kind of been a, a thing for me. I think, Nick, going back to your question about grammatic capacities, is what do we lean on as communicators or even in our systems to, to tell stories? Um, for a granular point is that with producers, it's like, okay, we have a platform and there's one avocado in this hand and another avocado in this hand. Let's say this avocado tells you everything about the avocado. It's $1. You can buy it. Or this, this avocado tells you nothing, but it's $1. Which one are you going to buy? Which, which story teaches you more, tells you more? Um, so I, th I think your assessment, Linda, was right. That's just the, the platform. And then again, letting people self-ascribe their own stories, I think is super powerful and, and why these agent-centric models are just inherently better because if we can create systems where people can tell stories in their own ways, opposed to us coding a form that they have to play within, um, that becomes really, really amazing and i think that's that's what a lot many of us are circling around in this this ecosystem and there's a couple of different kind of layers of storytelling here right so so one of them is so in to use the producers market context right there's the kind of the backstory of a producer right who who they a grower who they are where they live what they grow, how they grow it, and why they're doing it, right? And then there's the story. Then there's then then there are there's a story or multiple stories that you can stitch together using the base technological capabilities in the Holochain platform that that allows us to collect data at different points in mm -hmm. a flow of value, like in a value chain. Mm -hmm. and, and so, so, so there's some really interesting and potentially pretty new and possibly unique abilities to construct or to make visible stories um, that, that are kind of automatically brought to the surface that, that, that don't necessarily need to be told by an, by an actor or an agent that, yeah. that we tell just by kind of representing data. Yeah, and, and yes, completely. And the counting systems for that are really what's being, I think, created here and how how those you know simply like the creation of a something we're we're creating is like a peer-to-peer a -peer market maker right so if you have any 
commodity that you wish to to list for sale or trade or barter or whatever you can do that and it's also tied to the suite of services or this accounting model this rea accounting model that allows you to transact with another agent and automatically fractalize that story because going all the way back with an avocado sure the resource is the avocado but there are many different resources to go in that avocado sun compost seeds um you know hands human attention um you know uh lots and lots of energy um a whole e and then of course it's nested in an ecosystem like maybe it's grown in the michoacan and southwest central mexico that is a whole community of people i've been there for thousands of years and as that market is all fractally connected to you know your local grocery store or you know what's the incentive of keeping that avocado close or you know an oil reserve that's in the amazon it's like this say these are stories that now we do to your point have a better um better systems to account for that exchange. So there's, there's really a, a couple factors that people are excited about, you know, just with, you know, if the people are talking about distributed ledger technology and they're like, Oh, this, the transactions are so quick. So many transactions per second. It's not just about the transactions per second. You can think of it more of like stories per second because with every transaction is, could be a story instead of just like a negative speculative boom um, that we've seen be supported. So it's more about the, I think the context opposed to just saying, Oh yeah, we're going to build the fastest peer to peer exchange market maker in the world. We're never, we've never been able to trade faster, but it's like, well, we're still limited by constraints. And so what's, what's the, the, the speed at which we can share, fractalize and exponentially share what what we've learned or not i think is a really promising use and a promising promising outcome byproduct or maybe base for um i really like that you know the idea of fractal sovereignty of these inverted firms so every person every agent is as a sovereign agent with their sovereign identity and they can engage and fractals with all these different groups because they're all interoperable if they're all built upon similar patterns. Yeah. In a way, there is so much more than uh, just the product behind the product. It's also the, the, the human story and the intention of the people who are creating that product, no matter what it is. And there is something uh, with distributed ledger technology that many people think is about the anonymity, being anonymous, but actually it's about the transparency and the truthfulness. It's possible uh, to make sure that you go and um, buy a product, you basically you associate with the producer what the intention is, the community, where the money go, the flow goes. There is so much more than just uh, you know, a product, it's the human story behind it is so much more important than, than the actual product, maybe even the quality of it. Where yeah. does it come from? 
And this is something uh, which I think uh, what we are all trying to build here is uh, most important. Yeah, I think what you, what you just said is really important. And for me, these a lot of these conversations about privacy and anonymity, you know, privacy isn't really about secrecy, it's about control, right? And some, there are some instances where, um, you know, that control is super important to have, or I'd, I'd argue most actually every engagement, it's important to have control over when you can be candid and not. And, you know, that it's also a, a unique privilege to be anonymous or not be anonymous or have the option to be, interestingly. Um, so that's, you know, that's definitely what I think all this technology is, is stepped towards. And that's, I think, larger, a larger conversation nested in more receptive and empathetic technologies that these larger structures um, really pattern themselves within. Um, yeah, I think what he says is super important. The, it, it just gives choice, right? I think the, the idea of maybe you're supporting someone because you know their intention is, is in alignment with yours, opposed to just being the cheapest thing and whatever cheap means anymore. But I mean, we also, I, you know, I try to balance all these things with we have real market demands and real economic worries right now, you know, like accelerating income inequality, wealth concentration at world record highs. Um, so how do we balance these alternative structures with real solutions that, you know, if I'm working to feed my family, how I can do that in a, in a way that's more harmonious with other systems. Right. And I think that really trickles down into stuff that, that HUM is working on too, right? If it's even the access to information is guarded by the same patterns that you know, I'm describing through producers or the, the larger theme. And the number of times that I would pay, you know, I go to whatever, an online news site that is a subscription model. Uh, if I could just pay the, the producer directly, it's like, you know, I, I don't see a lot of information because of payment gates, unfortunately. Um, and it's pretty much the same thing about um, the stories around food too. Like, you know, people can't access good stories and really good food right now because it's guarded by a higher price. I'd argue inequitably these, you know, these foods that aren't sprayed with dangerous chemicals and pesticides are what's available. And it's really the story. Um, the story is locked up and not told. So it's a whole educational component too. But that's, that's really the, the, the more intense theme. And, and really I, th I see the barrier of what, not, it's not, I don't see it really as a barrier. I just see it as, as a, you know, something to be moved. Mm -hmm. so it's maybe a barrier. About shifting the value from simply what is cheap or or, or expensive or trendy to to real human values of basically value. where does it come from? How it's been produced? From who is being produced? Where the money flow goes to? Instead of just price, because nowadays 
or a label, even something like organic. It's I come from the Europe. I live in the European Union, and it's like I had a mate who was producing pure organic food from his own land and had from the land of his parents, but he was not able to get the license that is organic. It was just pure madness. Mm -hmm. There's so much more than just the labels we're paying money, uh, we're paying for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting invocation of the organic label. You know, the organic label is the only um, eco label that is enforced by government and private institutions. Um, and it's really a currency, right? Certification is currency. People will buy the, the organic products because it says organic and they can buy it with, um, it's also one of the only labels where people self-elect to be more regulated. And of course it's expensive and there's a p- bunch of issues. It's expensive and you know, there's, you can still use chemicals and organic. People are just buying in with the notion that maybe these, um, there's a chance that these foods are, are, are better for people on planet, which, I, you know, most of the times I'd argue they are. But to your point, or and to your point, the, the currency is, is not rooted in, um, in a simple truth of, you know, objectively, how, how are people being treated to produce this food? Or what's the agency of people that's being extracted or exploited? What's the what's the code where you know people aren't ex- exploiting themselves or others to get a product to market? Um, and you know, I'd argue the organic label is a step towards that, um, but of course, it's highly imperfect um, and just an interesting use case around. You know, one interesting thing about the organic industry is we don't actually know how many organic acres are in the world. They actually don't take that data. So there's you know one of the largest databases. Yeah, it's it's there's some some things and you know it's what is conventional now is you know these these are all again we're seeing a huge wave of consciousness shift around uh, and I largely because of these tools or partially because of these tools of transparency that people are demanding that they know where their food comes from. I mean, if you look at any, even just like savvy business people will be getting into the organic market right now because that's what people are demanding. Um, and I think this kind of dovetails an interesting point is that there's more, uh, there's alternative certification models that are like peer-to-peer certified. So you can have like a community of um, agriculturalists in a region creating uh, a system of metrics. Maybe they think that their certification is better than organic because maybe they, you know, only use super biodiverse seeds, a great variety. Maybe they, you know, use, um, you know, something like permacultural practices or traditional ecological knowledge. Um, And they could say, okay, we're going to uh, a strong group of whatever, 10 or a hundred thousand people could say, all right, these are standards of organic certification, organic, our certification, our peer certification and that we can then uh, agree to self-enforce and enforce one another to adhere to our standards. So then you can start to get this, these different bioregional um, specific certification specifications um, that uh, go beyond this blanket cert 
that again, I think I, I see a lot of these as just bridges, right? Bridges to the next better system. I think we're coming also back to the point of rep reputation. And anyway, reputation is now is mostly government or uh, let's say if you, you have a, uh, you have a business on Amazon as issued by them, but we talk about here something new, which is more like reputation based on um, creating relationships on human to human level and related to people and not simply because there is a such a label issued by the government or whatever, so some corporation, but more based on relationships yeah and and then that will create um you know certain reputation to 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 the producer or to the trader or to the market or to the the, the business by by simply creating a real human to human relationship and this is mm -hmm. very different than just certification or level yeah, well said, yeah. And also when you add the transparency and being able to trace the, the past relationship of certain producers or something, then yeah, it's fascinating. Points um, that everyone's been discussing here in relation to the human to human value like the deepening relationships, storytelling, the building of the communities, the connection and interoperability between those communities, how they all feed into each other. And so with the tools and the, and the flows of value, which are now possible with the follow chain and the tools that produces a building, people are able to connect to each other through these flows of value that they now see and they and, and these stories that are being told and allow those producers or those agents or those communities to begin to self-organize and and create that demand because they're aware of what they actually want and that that seems like a beautiful upward spiral in there piecing together all of these different points that we're all talking about. Agreed. Um, do you guys have some other stuff that you'd like to talk about or are we happy to leave it on the liquid spiral? I have a question. As being the, the only one here who never really met you, Colin, and it's really mm. fascinating to, I'm really happy that you, you join us on this podcast. Thank you. Maybe you can touch a little bit and we talk about stories, a little bit about your story. I mean, how, how did you end up doing what you're doing and how did you found Holochain and why did you decide it? And I mean, not just you, but the people you work with to, 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 to be doing what you're doing right now. I think this will be very interesting for interesting for the people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I grew up in a, a place that um, is, you know, right by a volcano. 
<laughs> called Como Colchon, Mount Baker. And, you know, it holds the world record for snowfall. It used to be the largest um, salmon run in the whole world. So all the salmon from Alaska, all up the North Pacific would, would swim down to spawn, you know, for like 10,000 years. This was this area kind of Seattle, Vancouver area was all under glaciers until mm, like about 15,000 years ago. Um, so the history is pretty, pretty new. Like people haven't really been here for very long. Um, and I grew up kind of like on that, the, the right where all the salmon used to swim by. And when settlers when European settlers came in the um, early 20th, sorry, late 19th century, uh, they ended up terraforming the whole uh, river estuary. So they, they turned it into agriculture. And um, so I, I grew up in a completely beautiful spot, like filled with just like incredible, you know, um, natural beauty and pretty close to the water and land and amazing seafood and um, fishing and, you know, berries, like ton of berries. And I grew up super interested in um, agriculture and science and, and history. And I didn't really understand the context of where I grew up in the history of, you know, what I consider my home um, until I started putting the pieces together around that, like, you know, a couple hundred years ago, you would have never had to work. Like even the concept of work had only existed in this part of the world for like 150 years. <laughs> like it was some of the most recently colonized place in the, in the whole world. Um, and, you know, through a lot of listening and, you know, reflection, I realized that really the way that we view the economy um, and how we eat and clothe and feed ourselves is really quite broken, I think. And um, even the territory, like I grew up in Washington State, the territory of Washington State's only been around since like 1889. So I grew up in a lot of um, just in a, in a basically a hotbed and because of a lot of incredible elders and mentors in my life, I've, I've started really realizing what, what it was here um, and really the stories that weren't told. And so I, I really got into like producers and um, really technology actually through agriculture. So I was farming uh, grains in Southwest Washington state and I couldn't find a really small amount of uh, organic seeds, very small, only about, well, not very small, but a ton. So I was only planting about 20 acres or so. And I realized that there's no way to connect agricultural buyers and sellers directly over the internet, just over seeds. So I started a company to build a platform to connect like seeds people. Um, and before that, I'd been become pretty interested in different distributed ledger technologies. Uh, I got connected to the founders of uh, Hashgraph. Um, so this is how many, a few years ago now. Um, and 
you know, I, I had kind of run through the studies. I studied genetics and economics and kind of markets and computer science in undergrad. Um, and um, I started looking at Hashgraph and then realizing that uh, maybe it wasn't the perfect fit for like a truly peer-to-peer -peer seed exchange. And then actually ran into uh, uh, someone who works for Holochain in the back of a cafe in Berkeley. And I overheard that there. <laughs> well, I'd heard about Holochain like eight months prior, but then I heard some people having like a pretty fervent discussion about consensus. And I was like, hmm, what are you guys talking about consensus about? And then I like, you know, I politely butted into the conversation and then got tuned into Holochain, like the, well, again, reminded about Holochain. Um, and then started looking at the code and realizing that, oh, and then I read Arthur Brock's uh, page about Holochain versus Hashgraph and when consensus is needed in distributed computing and kind of had a eureka moment around like, yeah, this makes a lot, a lot of sense. Um, and then, so that company um, that's building that initial seed making tool, um, was still, you know, still formulating that and then uh, market making tool. And then I got connected to producers through a friend of friend. Um, and then we realized we were just super, you know, like instant friends and, and realized that we were working on the same vision. And I read the producers market white paper. And when you see something that you've been thinking about, um, but haven't written it down yourself, you're, you know, usually gravitated towards it. And then from there on after, I mean, I always knew that this peer-to-peer -peer market maker could be used for any commodity. Um, it didn't need to be just seeds. It could be anything, right? Any currency. And now it's just this like weird network effect of, you know, like crazy network economists and like researchers and thought leaders who I've realized have concurrently all been thinking about this stuff that I have. Um, this inverted firms idea comes from this really brilliant researcher named Marshall Ben Ben Eisting. Can't remember. I might be butchering his name. You said Marshall MIT. Um, so I'm realizing that there's this is just a hotbed issue around platform economics and network economics. So now it's just kind of upward spiraled into, oh my goodness, this is such a, a iterative theme right now that can be carried to every single different industry in the world right now so um yeah i guess it's you know through a story so i got connected some nice story yeah uh -huh. thank you for sharing it's really Say it again? The, uh, it's the beautiful story and it's interesting some of these themes that pop up like we were looking at food stuff ourselves and, and we stumbled across hollow chain and i've been studying some of the ancient techniques of seed saving and seed banks and activating seeds um, from some of these indigenous cultures and and that's sort of where you got started as well within the within the seed part um, so as we close this off and we've been telling the story about or we've been sharing our story of increased grammatic capacities
from what you've learned about hollow chain and, and from being deep in the weeds and, and this being a community podcast, what would you like to leave with? Would you like to share anything about how you feel the community itself could help continue the story of, of these new capacities or, or hollow chain in general? Are there, are there some things that you've seen from deep in the weeds that you'd like to see? yourself in the community that you know it doesn't have to be anything big just some simple things of how how this can grow yeah i think that there's a huge um potential right now to imagine design architect play with what a more what more peer-to-peer systems will look like and that comes from really simply like what all of these applications that we engage with every day are going to change. That is without a doubt going to happen. We're going to see more in, in all the, the story and cultural stuff aside, just from a perspective of speed and security, these systems are better. Um, and the way we share resources, or it's easier to share resources when, well, it could be, I'm not going to say it is or isn't, but there's a, a huge potential for the sharing of resources and supporting of people to be streamlined. So for me, it's, it's helping the community and ourselves um, create words, stories that are accessible to all people. Um, and I'm really focused on the next generation, like Gen Z and Gen Alpha. Um, because we are at a key inflection point where the internet is dominated by people who are using our attention to sell us rubbish. And we need to buck that trend to, um, I'm, I'm confident that this needs to happen. We need to buck that trend if we really want to solve these the climate crisis or the, the economic crisis that we're in. So for me, it's, it's also an incredible business opportunity to think about, okay, pick your favorite mobile app right now. What would it look like if it were peer to peer? If there wasn't a centralized corporation there, what's the new cooperative model that allows us to do that? And how do we communicate that in a way that is sensitive and, um, from the heart and inviable. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm open to hearing anything and, and helping craft those ideas right now because it's very important. And we really don't have that much time to really, you know, there's conscious growth, of course, but we're at this inflection point where we need to, uh, to deliver on that now or yesterday. Or ten years ago, <laughs> right? And that's that's really the, the kind of call to action is imagine what you like doing and how could it be done better, especially through uh, not even it doesn't even have to be digital, but how could how could a better coordination tool that helps move um, resources, capital, you know, artwork, art better. I think that's that's really where we're at right now with with all of these things. 
intention is the new attention. Nice. Love um, that. So if anyone would like to uh, reach out to you or, or uh, connect, do you, do you want to um, share where you're at? Yeah, you can uh, send me an email at uh, colin at producersmarket.com. Um, that's probably the best way to reach me. We'll add it to the description below the video. Great. Great. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming and joining us on Fractal Sovereignty Colin. It's, uh, it's been a really fantastic um, opportunity for all of us to get to know you. And I feel like you're someone that really gets it on a deep level. And, you know, just in the short time that we've gotten to know each other, it, it feels that, you know, um, this feels really good to connect on, on this stuff and, and behind it all, the intention and, and just to be able to share with you on this journey. So I look forward to, to meeting up with you in person soon and, and um, you know, good to be on the ride with you, brother. <laughs> Likewise, Nick. Likewise. Yeah. All right, guys. So uh, we'll see you uh, shortly for the next episode. And uh, thanks again, Colin. Peace out. Thanks, you all. Yeah, cheers.